0: This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me tonight are Richard Halls. Hello, everybody. And Stephen Lockridge. Hello. Yay, welcome back, Steve. Steve. Uh, in, in tonight's show we will be talking about um, a new film called demigod uh, then we've got two films starring a certain robert Bronzi: um, exorcist vengeance followed by deathblock 13 our short shot this week is night hunt and we're going to wind up with our dtv throwback into the sun and it's not the cigar one so without further ado let's crack on our first review then is Demigod. Upon the death of a grandfather, a woman and her husband return to her birthplace in Germany's Black Forest, only to discover a terrifying secret awaits them. Um, okay, so this is filmed in um, Germany by the looks of it, uh, Steve. Um, I believe so. Shot in a mixture of English and um, and German as well, which which it kind of you know it does give it a bit of an extra sort of production oomph, I think. Um, Some of it is artfully shot, some of it is very pretentiously shot, I think. Um, It's not anything new, really. We've seen this sort of film a lot, but I think it is pretty well made. Um, What are your thoughts on Demigod?
2: Um, It was okay. It, It starts off with a trope we've seen quite a few times lately, you know, like parents of you know uh, what's the word estranged parents or mm-hmm. something have died you know and, and they're going back to claim the, yeah, the house that's like that, that Olga
1: Kurienko one was it Olga Kurienko was it um, Asia uh, Argento yeah Asia Argento that one and that's
2: it. The and Russian
1: others, one as yeah, well yeah there's it, yeah. been quite a few that like, and then you're
2: okay you're starting off with that and then all of a sudden about half an hour in, it just flips into like something like surviving the game, or something like that. Mm. And yeah, a lot. I enjoyed most of it, but the, the weird thing was is the pacing of it. Um You know, the first half hour was great, and then when the the witches or whatever they are appear. Whenever they come on, it just seems to really slow the film down and drag it down. And just, I don't know. It just started to get boring when they they turned <laughs> up. And then the demigod or the forest turns up. And it's, it just doesn't kind of make sense in a way. It just doesn't gel that much. You know, the flow of the film's gone then and it's, just becomes a bit of a mess, really.
1: Yeah, the editing style goes into Hyperdrive, doesn't it, basically,
2: as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, there's quite some nice shots there. I mean, there's like, you know, where you see the demigod in in Far Away and, you know, the the red eyes in the night and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Same
2: kind of things. They were really good, but then you just get over this way. It's just a little bit, bit too messy and all all over the place really for me
1: i agree i think it's a, it's a little bit too long for the material as well um yeah I, I do like the fact that it does change tack at a certain point you know because you know it, it did seem like it was going to be yet another one of these films where you know sort of yeah. um, an estranged family member suddenly discovers her parents aren't who she thought they were and all the rest of it and there is an element of that and it does sort of play along those sort of lines for the first Sort of twenty minutes, half an hour, as you say, but you know, then, then we do get this suddenly, sudden reveal, and and suddenly we get all these other characters, sort of like you know, mm. drawed in, you know, completely out of nowhere, and and as you say, it becomes this sort of um, hard target kind of kind of setup or yeah, um, the most dangerous game. Um, so you know, we, we got a few more people for the t- for the kill count. Um, some of that I, I did enjoy. I like I like the little girl, you know. She, she?
2: Yeah, she's quite she's badass. She's, isn't she? She, she's
1: quite badass, you know. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so there was a lot of good stuff in here. Um, but I, I don't know. I think they they should have kept the the demigod, as it were, a bit more in the background. Um, because he, he does yeah, this whole monologue yeah. thing at the end. I got a thing about monologues these days it's my latest thing <laughs> you know, when people start <laughs> lurching into these long speeches and i'm thinking because all i can think watching it is you've rehearsed this haven't you? Mm. you you know it's somewhere somewhere in the forest in your little den somewhere you you rehearse what you're going to say if this ever happens but um yeah so there are some good good uh, makeup effects some good um you know, some good kill scenes and things. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. The, the the as you say, the um I think it's not just the pace that drops off, it's the atmosphere drops off when the when the witches appear because there's no menace mm. to them. You know, no, no. They, they they look like two people who are cosplaying um and one person who's in the wrong film. Um uh, yes. you know, that, that, that's kind of how it comes across to me. So yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's um, it doesn't work, you know, the the dialogue's good, you know, the, the dialogue they have is actually quite decent. But you know, between them, uh, there's just nothing, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's no menace, there's no atmosphere. Um yeah, and, and, and as you say, the pacing drops off um, quite a bit. But other than that, um not a bad effort overall. It kept my attention for for the most part. Um well, you've got to score it. Uh, I'll give it a six. I think that's fair. Yeah, Uh, I'll give it a six also. Um, So, yeah, that is Demigod. Uh, Go check it out. Two sixes from the DTV Digest. Our next review is Exorcist Vengeance. Father Joseph is a priest with a troubled past who has a particular set of skills useful to the Catholic Church. When a woman is suspected of being possessed, Joseph is sent to deal with the situation, met with both hope, faith, and derision by the various family members. However, it soon becomes clear that the possessed woman is not the only person whose life is in danger. Um, Okay, so, Rich, I think before we launch into this, we need to discuss who Robert Bronzy is. Yeah. Um, so, So this is a guy who's... He he does have an uncanny resemblance to Charles Bronson, circa Death Wish four. You know, um, he's got the perfect sort of craggy face. um, You know, the squinty eyes and the sort of mustache. And you know, at a glance, he he does look a hell of a lot like the guy. And and he's he's basically had a career built around him purely on that premise. he can't act for sure mm.
2: um,
1: you know he's a very much a one note guy but i have to say um since uh what, what was the um, the original one
0: well death the- kiss was the death one that kiss. All- kiss.
1: that's right yeah you know since, since those days his films do seem to be improving, you know, that the vehicles that um, they're building around them are getting better. And, and I think this is a case in point. I actually didn't mind this. Um, it is a low budget film. It is a more or less a one location effort set in this house, not a particularly big house either, which was kind of refreshing. Um, and yeah, he's he's brought in to um, undertake this exorcism. Um, and, and there's sort of various other things going on in the house and we get flashbacks to his past where he, he was literally a vigilante at one point which I think is you know, a vigilante priest which I thought was quite amusing um, but I, I did like this and I, I did like the elements that it actually borrows from um, other possession movies um, you, get, you get some nice sort of editing shots of, uh, sort of some sort of demon creature um, which, which, are very fleeting, but you know they're there. Uh, which I thought was was quite decent. You know, it a, um, showed a nice bit of restraint. So yeah, um, Steve, over to you.
2: Um, yeah, I didn't go on with this as much as you. You sound like you did Mike. To be fair, um, it's it's one of them where they just throw every single possession cliche and the kitchen sink in, and then. Chuck a revolver in as well. I mean, what kind? I don't know what kind of priest pulls out a revolver mid exorcism and just fires it in the, the, best the air. That's kind. Also, I mean, yeah, I mean, Robert Bronzy, he, he, he can't. Act, but to be fair, I don't think the rest of the cast cover themselves in glory as well. I mean, hmm. the uncle was it? Hmm. The
1: See, I was gonna mention him as the best character in it. <laughs>
2: he he got he got right on my tits. He was so annoying. Just pushing everything and everything. I mean, there's always one in there who doesn't believe really and that kind of thing. But you know, he's seen the woman floating six feet above the bed and and he's still giving him grief about it. Um I thought the woman who was possessed. Um, she was actually quite good. She threw give herself everything and threw mm-hmm. everything into it, but yeah, it was just too cliched for me. Um, it's nothing new at all, and just a little bit boring to be fair. It, it, it didn't do anything new with what it had, or it could have done, if you know what I mean. But it was just the same old stuff that I've seen wheeled out many, many, many times. And you're never going to get a better possession, possession film than The Exorcist. I'm sorry, but... <clears throat> that it, is true. That there's, yeah. a reason, there's a reason it's a classic, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I wasn't too enamoured with it, to be fair. I
1: I, I do agree with you on, on certain points. Um, mm. In that, yes, they, they throw everything at it. And, and also, you're not going to get anything better than The Exorcist anyway. But at the same time, I think they they did show a certain amount of restraint and and didn't sort of push it too silly um you know it, it worked within its sort of budget and i I thought it you know it was sort of relatively entertaining from my point of view uh, mm. but rich, I'm dying to know what you think
0: i I, I quite like the idea of you know just kind of trying to make a a straight, you know, no, no no tongue in cheek or anything, just doing Mm. a straight up film that basically says, what if it was the exorcist, but we Mm. had Charles Bronson and they're trying and trying this, like, you know, what what are we talking about? Um, 40 years after the exorcist Mm. and um, and Charles Bronson was sort of in their prime. Uh, And it's still, for me, you know, still working to a, to an extent i think i i quite like uh bronzy who's uh that's not his real name the br- bronzy is comes from robert uh, from I'm, I'm not saying this to you because i know he knows uh, for uh, but to the listeners bronzy comes from the bronson his real name mm-hmm. is robert kovacs <coughs> he, he's hungarian uh Rene perez launched his career in death kiss but he was dubbed in that movie uh, and in this he's he, he actually gets to speak his own lines Uh, which I quite liked. Uh, It's a British movie. It's one of the Proportion Productions films, which I thought was uh, pretty cool. It's it's one of two he's actually done uh, that have been released within like weeks of each other. The other one's called The Gardener with Gary Daniels, which I'm dying to see. Mm, Um, I am now. (laughs) But but this one has uh, Stephen Burkhoff in essentially an extended
2: cameo. That's, that's another thing that I'm, I'm sorry, but in the minute I'm sick to death of Steven Burke off just showing up and acting like a twatting stuff for five minutes. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm,
2: I'm I'm over it now. You know, I, it's all he's doing at the minute and it, it's it's getting on my nerves. It really is.
0: He's like king of the cameos at the moment. I don't know.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: But the, yeah, I, I quite like him actually. So I was watching Octopussy the other day where he, where he was the villain and stuff. And uh, I do like a bit of. Burkhoff. um but the other notable member of the cast is sarah alexandra Marks, who was who was in um help which we covered last yes. week, That's week right. yeah, yeah. Uh, and in this one she plays american and i thought at times her american accent worked really well other times not so much mm-hmm. but how do yeah, i feel well, about the well, film I mean... overall i think it what well, i think it's fine i think it does get silliest but like with mm-hmm. like um uh, Steve was saying, with you know, he's doing nexism and he pulls out a gun for literally yeah. no reason. And then apparently shooting resolved the problem, or something, I don't know. I didn't quite get what was happening there, but the general over you know the general package I liked and I got on with, and I think it passes the time quite nicely, and I think you can have a bit of fun with it.
1: We've seen a lot worse. yeah, I definitely wouldn't yeah. say
0: it's a bad film no in itself.
1: I, I i don't I don't think it's a bad film. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it surprised me in that result, you know, uh, in that respect because I was expecting something of the quality of Death Kiss
0: Yeah, and um, it does start out like Death Kiss basically mm, Because yeah, I, I, of I sort
1: of started tuning out at the beginning unless I came back into it um, It's almost
0: like Hitman, you know, he's like a a, a priest you know, a, a Hitman mm. priest dude. Um We did that uh, Michael Rooker film, didn't we? He played a hitman yes briefly, uh shadow builder
1: shadow builder that's so there's yeah. various
0: and hitman movies have kind of done it for the catholic church and whatnot mm. but there's so there are precedents it's not mm-hmm. it's nothing new but we've never seen it in a in a british movie that's kind of taking the exorcist and this mm. you know charles bronson element. i just think it's a bit of fun you know but he does play it completely yeah. straight and you know it's, it's not tongue-in-cheek or anything in
1: it the other the other good bit as well I, I quite liked was the um his his actual past when he sort of said, Oh, I've seen evil before and then so of goes, Oh, what are you doing he goes, Oh yeah, I dealt drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I was a drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought you know, quite refreshing really. It's, uh, it's not what you expect. Um so yeah, I, I quite liked it. Anyway, scores on the doors. I'm gonna hit this one with a six out of ten.
2: Yeah. I uh, think Steve? Six is Steve. Yeah. Steve?
1: I'm going to say a five. Okay, and Rich? Yeah, I'm happy with a six. Mm -hmm. Okay, two sixes and a five for Exorcist Vengeance. Go check it out. Our next film is Death Block 13, also known as Escape from Death Block 13 and starring Robert Bronzy again. In this one, he plays a character called Mick, who's been wrongly convicted of extortion and attempted murder and is sent to Pleasant Hill Penitentiary. Um, So um, I really like this. I kind of like the previous one, um, Exorcist Vengeance, and I thought, yeah, that's a reasonably solid film. This is a much more expansive, much bigger film, um, you know, from a production point of view. Um, e- even more so than A Violent Man that we uh, saw recently which is sort of the moody um, straightforward sort of prison movie this one sort of um, hits all the you know if you had a uh, prison movie bingo card this, this one hits most of the um, you know most of the numbers <laughs> yep. I, th- I, I thought this was pretty damn entertaining overall so Steve what do you think
2: um right I'm going to have to disagree with you again on this one, Mike. (laughs) Um, Again, no, not one person could act in this film whatsoever. Um, I don't know if it's because um, Robert Bronzi is just so laid back off and subtle or what everybody else just seemed to be turned up to 25 rather than, you know, especially like, like Chris Hahn, I think, he plays the other guy.
1: I think he was well, dubbed. Well, his mate, or the, um, the big guy?
2: The big guy at the end, you know. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of a, yeah. yeah. Um, I think he was dubbed, because everything he said was just like, woo! You know, it's, there's, <laughs> there's no, you know, nothing there. The, the warden was terrible. It, it kind of started off when he's been interrogated by the police at, about five minutes in and there's the, the black guy who's like trying to play Bad Cop and stuff like that. And yeah. I'm just thinking, just tone it down. You know, there's no... It, everyone's just so over the top. I mean, you got like the wizard, you know. Oh, that's his, the wizard. He was great. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, he was actually quite fun in it. But again, it just seems so over the top. And for some reason, I, I, I didn't get it. In the action scenes, when you've got like the reverse, the reverses,
1: mm-hmm.
2: half of them seem to be green screen, which was weird when they were on on the set, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's weird.
2: And I didn't get that. It, it just seemed a, maybe they couldn't get them at the same time or whatever. But It just seemed a very, very weird choice. And it really took me out of the film to be fair. Um, you know the editing's a bit all over the place as well. you know, especially in the fight scenes or the riot scenes or whatever. But just I don't know. It just seemed seemed very amateurish in parts, and and some of the gore as well was a bit over the top as well. You know when like one of the inmates falls off the railings and lands on his head and you know you get close as he lands and stuff his brain exploding all over the place like I said some of it was alright but just it was just too messy and just seemed too amateurish to me because you know especially like I say with all that green screen that was in there which just didn't really need to be there I don't get what they were what they were doing with it and there's one scene as well where the up against a guard in a church, mm. who suddenly becomes like a kung fu master and he's you know flying all over the place and stuff, and he's just like, no, no, excuse me. <coughs> but yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't so impressed at all. Mm.
1: Interesting, um, Rich.
0: It's got some pacing issues. It, it, it's too long. Yes. what it is i mean it's mm. it's nearly it's like an hour and 40 minutes pretty much uh and it's really slow to start uh, with you know it follows him to the hardware store to buy a hammer and stuff and he's going to meet this guy who owes him you know wants the money for uh his uh, death benefits from from his brother mm. and so that's kind of the thing that sort <laughs> of kicks off yeah. and it takes a really long time to get going but when when it got to the prison and stuff started happening, it just it just worked. It just started working for me, and I really enjoyed it from that point on. As I mean, it is it's very low budget. It's it's made by Gary Jones, who's done a lot of a lot of films previously, mostly horror and creature feature kind of mm. stuff uh, like um, uh, mosquito, spiders, crocodile two, stuff like that. He did an action movie called Ballistica, which was pretty bad a few years ago with paul logan which was like a it was trying to do the equilibrium sort of thing on a really low budget um but i loved all the i loved all the action and the over the top gore in this i mean it is some of it's just i mean it is silly it's really silly and you can just have fun and Mm. laugh at it for some of it um i mean so the the guards on the turret who are watching (laughs) the prisoners yeah yeah. this like now i don't know what it's called but it's like one of those predator
1: yeah yeah (laughs) gatling minigun yeah yeah. minigun thing Chain guns. And,
0: and they, sorry?
2: Chain guns, I believe it's Chain Guys,
0: well. that was called. So, they literally and at one point there's like a riot in the in the mm. in the yard and they literally just start firing everywhere and nobody gets hit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> if... one. Well, one person does. Well, get, one gets person. gets But yeah, but... it's because the warden sort of goes, "Oh, get their attention or something like that." It's like, oh, yeah. like it's like
0: you well, you wouldn't use a gun like that for a start.
2: Oh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, but then later on, they they keep. I mean, they must have had a few of these because they keep picking. Oh, I've got one now,
2: <laughs> and they're yeah. just
0: firing it. And yeah, I loved it. I thought it was. I mean the yeah the sort of prisoner fall, falling down and splatting and, and stuff but people getting all sorts of i mean this is where you know um, gary jones's horror background really comes in and effects mm. and stuff i think it really um worked quite well it's got it's trying to go for that 70s kind of flavor when the title comes up it's got that you know mm. little um um you know the little notice that that, that um the little trailer of numbers or, or whatever that, that mm. would normally come up on the, on the old films. they don't do it anymore, that sort of thing. So they're trying to go for this sort of retro feel to it. Uh I like that um Kovacs, uh Kovacs's brother, who's been killed, is called Laszlo Kovacs, <clears throat> which was, who, who was, Laszlo Kovacs was the cinematographer of films like Easy Rider and Ghostbusters and stuff, mm. very very well-known mm. cinematographer so a little in joke there which i thought worked when nice. nicholas Totoro is in yep. it as nypd like, blue from yeah i think he's possibly what most well known for that not by me because i've, I've not seen that but uh. he did he's he, i knew him from uh various things including a film with olivia gruner which was called which was mercenary Two, uh which wasn't as good as mercenary one with john ritter but the but He's the best actor in the movie. I mean, that's why he's in this, I don't know. But he just, he outshines everyone for me. I thought, you know, he's he's so experienced and so polished, you know, in, in what he's doing. I thought he was great. He's not in it very much, but he kind of turns up at the beginning and whatnot. Um, cool. The Prisoners, when uh, one of the parts that I liked was, you know, when he started to get to know the fellow inmates. And he's got that one who's like... Just take the beating, kind of. Yeah. You know, don't don't put up a struggle. But that guy's all like dubbed, and he's it looks like he's working really hard to hold his expression. of yeah. Like mm. I'm a grizzled. <laughs> it just sounds so fake, but it, it just added to it Added to the fun. And there's like you say, the guy who, who's um, at the end. He's, he's kind of a bit of a bad guy, but he's and he's like
1: I'm the king of the of the block. <laughs> <sort> of thing, <laughs> they really need, they really needed Vinnie Jones for that role, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, i i say, uh
0: exaggerated sound effects uh, and different things say the brawl the, all the brawls and the gore and that and there's loads and the, there's not really any story from that point on no. i mean it's kind yeah. of like one of the uh i don't know if it was the first one or one of the later ones but the substitute where mm-hmm. you know uh tom Berenger or, or um uh oh, what's his name? Yeah. Who, who replaced Tom Meringer? Uh oh, Treat Williams. Um, Treat Williams. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and there was one they go into the school, and basically the school is being they're doing like drugs or something from the school and, and they've got to try and stop them. But that's basically the same thing. Yeah, you, you know, go into prison, there's mm. there's crooked people. I mean, there's loads of people. There's an episode of night Rider that's about <laughs> that's basically got the same plot as this, where Michael Knight goes into the prison to stop the bad guys who were running drugs or something. Anyway. Um,
1: How's Kit gonna save him in the prison? He's, oh, well he <laughs>
0: breaks through the wall, I think. Uh, right. But uh, mm-hmm. the other thing, the prison warden here is is a woman who's clearly modelled after Joan Allen in Death Race. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Uh, and See, I, was it, remem- I was reminded of um, the that Ian Ogilvy one we did, and um, we still steal the old way.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Because that had a female warden as well, so very similar. <laughs> I th-
0: I think there's quite a few that yeah. do, uh, that have done yeah. it. It's, it's, it. Just in this particular case, the the way she was acting and stuff. Mm. Just, but obviously not as good a, not as good as an act- actress by far. You know, it's, I mean, mm. the setting's quite interesting because it's almost like a school, and they said it was like an asylum. I think they couldn't necessarily get a prison looking location, so it's kind of got this sort of old yeah, hospital probably, kind of look about. Yeah.
1: But at the same time, they did do a lot of interiors at yeah. a prison. You know, they, they did yeah. have access to 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 a prison for the interiors. But I, I suppose for the story itself, they they needed something which, were, you know, could, could feasibly have like an escape tunnel kind of thing. You know, and yeah. they just wouldn't get away with it with a modern a modern structure. So yeah,
0: yeah. So uh, sorry, that's enough on my thoughts. Um, did you enjoy it as much as I did, Mike?
1: I think from, I did, from... yeah. I mean, the only really weird bit for me is that there's a bit where Bronzey's thrown into um, um, what do you call it? Isolation? Isolation. What do you call Solitary. It? Solitary, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Oh, um, I think I know. <laughs> and, you know, he gets thrown in there and there's a couple of cockroaches walk by and they're, they're so obviously CGI. That CGI cockroaches, oh, it was yeah. like, it must have been cheaper for somebody to to draw up a couple of CGI cockroaches and animate them on the screen than it would be to actually hire somebody to wrangle a couple of cockroaches, actual real life cockroaches, or, or maybe that you know, like me, they absolutely fucking hate cockroaches and didn't want <laughs> a real one anywhere near them. But but that was a really strange moment for me. You know, you mentioned sort of green screen stuff, um, but yeah, I I did like this. I must admit. Um, what was weird?
0: Feel- I tell you something that I get the feeling that like this is like because it's going for that retro thing. It's playing it completely straight. It's almost like Machete, but not with any jokes. But like played played completely mm. straight.
1: Mm. There's you could you it's look al- on- it's almost like Shawshank Redemption but with Robert Bronzy, you know? you yeah, I think because like, yeah. the building is you know it's, it's that sort of uh, thing they've gone for.
0: I was just thinking that. Danny Trejo is basically our Charles Bronson, our gen- this generation's Charles Bronson, because yeah. um, he's so similar, and you can, you can totally see, I mean, I know, I mean, and he has done films like this, you know, mm. Danny Trejo's done obviously the highs of Machete, but he's done all sorts of different budget kind of stuff, and it's, yeah. this could have played and been better, or, you know, just probably, yeah, would have been better because he's a better actor than Bronzy, I mean, he's got much more experience. Danny Trejo would have done a lot, quite a lot, with this, and that could have that could have been a, like a Machete level kind of movie, hmm. I think. But with Bronzy, because he hasn't got anything more than just looking like just looking like Charles Bronson, he can't bring anything more to the table. Not really. But I still think, yeah. I, but I still like that. I still, I, yeah. can't, I mean, that's cla- I mean, that, you can't get more classic exploitation that than. Than finding a guy who looks like a guy. I mean, this goes back to the Bruce Lee exploitation
1: oh, yeah. of the seventies. Yeah. Mm. Um, so. One of the, I mean, one of the interesting aspects about the character is is his sort of naivety, the fact that he he bought he bought a hammer as as a souvenir to take back to his, his brother's family, and he does explain it quite well as to why he, mm. he he's done it. But at no point yeah. did he think, is this going to be taken the wrong way. Nah, I'm sure it'd be fine. I'm, I'm, yeah. sure, I'm, was, I'm, sure, I'm I, sure the TSA won't mind me bringing a, a, a hammer yeah. on board an airplane.
0: Well, I, I, mm-hmm. did they work that? Did, was that all like a, a re, not red a, herring, th- but like misdirection kind of setup? You know, a that sort of double all, bluff. Always going to go for that's what we think is going to happen, and then I actually know. Exactly. That I think gonna, that, I think mm. it
1: was because because I expected them to sort of go you know to be using it on. You know Nick Tatura's character at the beginning. The, the other aspect is what happens at the end, which is just like it's um, tell I you thought what they were going me.
0: to ignore that plot point. I was like, what? Yeah. Hang on a minute, is it re- yeah. oh, oh, okay? Well, here we go. <laughs> it's resolved,
1: but, but that's the thing. It's like the you know, the cops and everything do ignore it, they just kind of go, oh well, what you you know, never mind, kind of thing. They don't want to try to follow him or sort of, sort of follow up on anything. But well, the thing what is, in the beginning,
0: he he's arre- he's arrested. But yeah. you know, it's like who? Well, who called the police or whatever? Why would they? I mean, it turns out, I guess that he the, that Nicholas Totoro's character knows the judge and things like yeah, that. Exactly. So he probably, you know, got the. Poli- it just seemed a bit random. Like suddenly, mm. he's one minute he's on the floor, and the next minute he's being carted mm. into the prison jail. Yeah. And I was thinking, hang on. When did that happen? <laughs> it's like, it, it just seemed like a bit was cut out, like
1: the the. Well, thank God, otherwise it'd be two hours. Yeah, long. yeah, but, yeah. I mean, that ending what what it kind of reminded me of. Yeah, have you seen the Jackal?
0: The um, Bruce, Bruce Willis Willard remake, and, no. yeah, Bruce
1: Willis and Jack Black, and yeah, who's is it? Richard Gere, isn't it? And, and Richard Gay, Quartier, yeah, 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 and. It's Sidney Potier, you know he's an FBI agent and Richard is um, a member of the IRA who's been locked up for donkeys and he's let out to help sort of um, you know help locate Bruce Willis's character. And it's just like Sidney Potier's attitude to, to, to the fact that he's d- with a terrorist, so it's like, oh, you lovable rogue, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of what it reminded me of at the end of this film. They just sort of let this guy go, kind of knowing exactly where he's off to. You know, it, it wouldn't take him much sort of cerebral thinking to to join the dots. And, and off he goes and, you know, makes use of that machine. It, it, it's the old Chekhov's gun thing, isn't it? It's, um, mm. you, you, can't, you can't have a setup like that without using it. But yeah. So, so, I, I did enjoy this um, more so than um, Exorcist: of Vengeance, which I thought was okay. This, this was much better than okay. Um, so
0: well, you got all the go- you got all the gore. And all the,
1: the gore. This a great bit. Everything. Yeah, there's yeah. one <laughs> bit where he's, you know, one guy gets his head shot, or the top half of his head shot off with a shotgun, mm. um, which is quite yeah. impressive. Yeah, I thought it was quite an impressive guy, little um, yeah, yeah. sort of CGI effect,
0: especially considering so, this clearly was a
1: really, really low-budget film. Yeah. It was, but at the same time, as I said, you know, they actually had proper locations. Yeah, you know, I was I was expecting mm. cardboard walls and you know, sort of like so someone having to hold the um, the bars against the door so they don't fall over kind of thing. But no, there was you know, they actually had some proper locations to this. That's why that's what I said you know, it had a much more expansive budget. It must have done. I mean, yeah, it's still a relatively low budget yeah. film, but um it was certainly better than I expected. I, I thought you know. Um, I, I, there was a, a Civil War film we covered a while back uh, which, which featured two, two characters who have been held in a um, you know, a sort of southern um, sort of, um, prisoner of war camp. And it was basically a square of rope, you know, just a single line of rope going around in a square. And, right, there you go, you sit in the square. <laughs> that was about the size of the prison. Basically, so best
0: production design ever.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so I thought, you know, this, this actually did the business as far as that side of things was concerned. Didn't mind it at all. And on that note, what are we going to score it? Um, Steve,
2: I'm going to give it a four,
1: even worse than Exorcist Vengeance.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Wow.
2: <clears throat> and Rich,
0: uh, it's definitely a seven from me. Despite Um, that really slow first act,
1: yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Um, This is totally entertaining. Uh, It's low budget for sure. Um, You know, you got to take the acting with a pinch of salt, but it does deliver. So there you go, two sevens and a four for Death Block Thirteen. Go check it out. Our short shot this week is Night Hunt. Saikan and Edward are two investigators sent to look into the sightings of mysterious creatures which have also been responsible for a number of disappearances and have attracted many bounty hunters." Um, Okay so this obviously owes a big debt to um, Brotherhood of the Wolf, the um, Christoph Gans film, Um, but having said that I think this is a very well put together short Uh, just clocking in around about 23 minutes, uh, definitely the first chapter or something bigger Um, but I I really like this, Uh, over to Steve
2: Yeah I did Um, the only thing I'm gutted about is like you say it's like part one Mm. and I wanted to see more, I wanted to see a a conclusion really Um, but I thought the beginning was great you know the little before the credits and stuff and then you you know you come to these two guys heading towards the tavern for the bounty of these creatures, things, whatever. We we, we don't know really what what they're trying to find. But um again, I thought the acting was really good in it. I thought the chemistry between the two leads was great. And you know, the fight scene with the the woman, the rescue of the woman I thought was really good as well. And even when they got to, like, the tavern, because it just, you know, it was funny, exciting, really well shot. Uh, and I really, really wanted to see more of this, to be fair. And that's that's the only downside to it, the fact that it's not, that you don't get a conclusion, really. It just kind of ends. And I really hope they do make more, make a conclusion, shall we say.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh mm. Rich, it's it's really refreshing to to see a short which actually has time for a credit sequence. Yeah, and
0: mm. it's and it's also um good to see a, a film that is influenced by Brotherhood of the Wolf because it's kind of uh I mean it's so obvious, you know, that <laughs> um Gaten Kalo, who's the director, stunt guy who's who's the in the basically the Mark Dacascos role in the pair, mm. you know, he mm. gets a great fight scene about eight minutes in. Unfortunately, we don't see any more than that. It kind of for me, it kind of peaks at that point. But that that's kind of Brotherhood. What Brotherhood of the Wolf did, you know, it kind of brought in did this sort of really unexpected fight scene. Then it kind of focuses on more of the uh, the investigative mm. sort of Hound of the baskervilles kind of stuff. Um, mm. It's low budget. There's some dodgy dubbing and stuff in some of the scenes. Uh, you know. You know because they haven't got huge resources to, to record the sound and loop it you know in the in the same way as other bigger budget productions so all the out like the outdoor scenes specifically I'm referring to at the start. But I yeah I thought the, mm. the collection of characters and the locations and the sort of setup and everything was really good. It was really disappointing when it just suddenly ends without any resolution. I thought I think they could have sort of warned us a bit, you know, if they'd have said part one or You know, episode one, or you know, something that indicated that there was going to be more to it. Because I thought, oh, it's twenty-three minutes; they're probably going to cover it. But it was getting to like fifteen-minute mark, and I was thinking, we're not heading towards a conclusion here. He's (laughs) still in
1: the tavern. What's going on? Well,
0: yeah, the the, the whole second half of the film is in is basically in the tavern, having conversations and and stuff, which is fine. And then it just kind of there's a little bit of a spooky bit at the end to, and then you know, to sort of as a cliffhanger. But yeah, I was a. It it is. It does feel more of a proof of concept in that sense than uh, than than anything that was in, envisaged as a as mm-hmm. something fully formed. So, a little bit of a downside there. But if you enjoy Brother the of the Wolf or, or you know martial arts action and stuff, you know mixtures, because this is a mixture, just like Brother the Wolf, it does that same mixture of mm. investigation, a bit of action, a bit of horror, and you know all these characters and a bit of a bit of humor and that it's it's it stands out i think for, as something a bit different to a lot of the other action stuff and a good gateway for um gate and Cali- Cali- uh, i'm gonna i'm probably getting his name gate and um other work which it, this was mm. on his youtube channel gc action design and there's lots of other little shorts that he's made this is the longest thing he's done i think um the, he's He's most well known, if if he's if he is well known, as uh, for work on uh, a Cirque du Soleil show that was produced by Robert Rodriguez.
1: All He'd, right, uh,
0: Run, I think it was. So it was, I think it was like a Cirque du Soleil thing, but mixed with such martial arts and stuff. Sounds really interesting. It's not running anymore, but um, uh, that would, that would have been interesting to see. That uh, yeah, he's got like there's a bunch of people that he works with. He's done the uh, you know various. Uh, shorts of like Hong Kong style or video game sort of action and mm. stuff that are all worth checking out. They're, they're like two or three minutes long. So, this, yeah, this feels, see
1: more. yeah this, this feels more than a proof of concept. Um, you, you wouldn't make a 23 minute mm. proof of concept. Um, I think it's it's well scripted enough that there must be plans for a part two and um, I, th- I think there's too much invested in it not not to sort of continue. I mean, I'm hoping anyway, but yeah. that's the case. Um, you know, there's there's uh, elements in there. You know, there's, there's a mysterious woman in, in the cloak sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I assume it's a woman. Like <laughs> Mother, the wolf. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's all, all this. And, and the, that creature effect at the end um, is very similar to um, uh, Midnight Mass, where you just see, you literally, that, yeah. just see. You mm-hmm. just literally see the eyes in, in, in the dark. You know, just yeah. two sort of dots of light, and it, oh, it yeah. is it is really effective. You know, that that shot was really effective. It um, just sort of give you an idea of what's out there, sort of thing. You know, is a bigger threat than just sort. Of, you know, what what you think at the beginning. So yeah, this this is great. Um, We don't score the shorts, but we do recommend you check them out. So you will find a link to this one in the footnotes below. Go check it out. Our DTV throwback this week is Into the Sun. A fighter pilot is reluctantly paired with a Hollywood actor who's researching a role, but the the pair are forced to team up for real when being shot down and thrust into combat. Um, I think the obvious touchstone here is the Michael J. Fox James Woods film. Who's the Hard made, way. The Hard Way. The name just yeah. slipped out of my head for a sec. Um, yes. Yeah, so obviously it's, it's it's that kind of setup. You know, they hate and each other at like the end of the They put world. that in Top yeah. Gun together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, The Hard Way meets hot, hot, mm-hmm. Top Gun. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty decent elevator pitch, that one. Um, but we've got Michael C. Hall. He of the, you know he is the brain from um, Anthony uh, the Breakfast Hall. Club. What did I say? Michael Seagal. Michael Seagal. <laughs> oh my god! No, it's Anthony it's, Michael Hall. It's Michael. Yes, it's Anthony Michael Hall. Get that right. Yes, from the Breakfast Club and the TV's version of um, the Stephen King series,
0: the Dead, the Dead, dead Zone. Dead yeah. that's right.
1: And um, recently,
0: Halloween Kills, and uh, that's various right, other things. It? He's been around quite a while. Well. he have
1: been around, yeah. He keep, he keep going, oh, yeah. uh, and, and then we got um, Michael Parry as well. Um, and I, I must admit, I think his role here—this th- is the most comfortable I've seen him on screen. I think you know he, he sort of wears this role quite well. It's um, a sort of hotshot pilot kind of thing. He, he's very much a you know he, he's a navy pilot kind of thing, um, uh, and I think I think he, he's he's really good in, those, in, in this. But, um, yeah, this is the second time I've seen this film. I saw it when it first came out. Enjoyed it then. Um, I must admit, there's this a period in the middle of this I kind of zoned out. But once um, the pair of them got in the cockpit and get shot down and stuff, it, it became a much better film, much much more enjoyable. Uh, Steve, um, had you seen this one before?
2: No, um, not not even heard of it before. To be fair, um, but I did. I really enjoyed this actually. Um... You know, it starts off with your, you know, like you say, comedy, you know, don't like each other, blah, blah, blah. And then what I did like is, because to me, he's kind of, he is like playing Tom Cruise, basically, because, you know, they're putting him through all the tests and everything, and he's just nailing them. And he's, the other guy's getting pissed off because he is actually really good at doing the stuff. (laughs) You know, like the the flight simulators and stuff like that. And he's like, yeah, it's annoying me that he is actually good at this kind of stuff. And then when when they get shot down, it does take a, a, a darker turn. And, you know, being kidnapped by the...
1: Where, whereabouts are they? Because it doesn't does it actually say. I think it is Afghanistan. Or yeah, like I think that. it
2: yeah. might be around, yeah, that, that region or something. And, you know, the torture and... But I, I, found, I found the chemistry between the two really good, in, especially with the, um, the female, the major as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought she was really good in it as well. And it was just one of them enjoyable romps. And then, you know, it kind of reminded me of Rambo 3 at the end where everything just blows to shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, try to escape mm-hmm. and stuff. But, yeah, in, in, really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Rich, I know you'd
0: seen this before. Uh, I don't think I had actually.
1: Really? Oh, no, I've heard of it.
0: I was familiar with it, but I don't think I ever saw it. Mm. Um I didn't love it. Uh the there was there were bits I liked about it, but it it well, I wasn't really getting I mean, it was a bit irritating how similar to the hard way it was for me. Mm. And and Top Gun, obviously. But the I wasn't oh completely on board with the character. I could quit, I quite like the fact that they sort of turned that as Steve was saying, like um, Anthony Michael Hall's character is supposed to be a bit of a, an idiot you know kind of but he mm. he does have an aptitude for what for what yeah. he's doing and, and that kind of becomes the thing that is uh, the sort of contention more than anything else it's like oh I you know he thought that he could just look down on him because he was coming in from mm. thing and that actually he's pretty good and then there's the sort of stupid twist of them saying yeah, you can go up in a fighter plane. You know, <laughs> otherwise, the movie wouldn't happen. You know, reasons uh, it has to happen. Uh, I quite like the there's that there's that a uh, fellow pilot who gets his wings or whatever, and it's like, yeah, you're not you're yeah. not going to make it. I no. the, the yeah. guy who looks like Elvis Presley And has actually it's,
1: played it's Elvis. It's funny because um, me and my son just watched Hot Shots the other day. And there's that <laughs> whole thing of a character called Dead Meat. I don't know yeah, yeah. why, yeah. but people call me Dead Meat. So, you know?
0: but this is like hot shots but played I mean yeah, I know hot shots played straight was top gun but this is yeah. like this is like basically hot shots played straight essentially yeah. um with a few jokes but the terry kaiser as the agent I thought was great he was stealing mm. all his scenes uh, his lines were really good um the, the, his his yeah. comedy worked I don't think some of the other stuff there was like with the sort of tent the stuff with um, michael anthony McCall arrive you know and they sit down and he's smoking a cigarette and then michael Parham makes a thing about it and then like a couple of minutes later he, he pulls out another cigarette and no it, nobody says anything for like ages mm-hmm. and then it's like at the end they yeah. know like, oh, regulations kind of thing but for a minute I, for a few minutes i was like well hang on a minute you made him think about this a minute ago I, I thought they'd forgotten what the rule that they'd set up or something so yeah, but that was just a, a little aside uh, that yeah i did prefer when it took its turn and it went kind of the behind enemy lines kind of thing if you mm-hmm. imagine like anthony michael hall being the owen wilson sort of character i guess um mm. playing it much more str- you know still being comedy you know it's kind of the the film that came to my mind and i th- i think it uh i think it was spies like us with che- with chevy chase oh yeah because yeah. yeah. that kind of does the they're a couple of goofy guys kind of thing and then all things get a bit serious but obviously it's still a comedy <laughs> <laughs> and and i thought it was, it was that kind of thing but they're they're both kind of straight because Anthony mm. Michael Hall's a bit stupid, but he's, he's not a comic relief kind of character. And Michael Perry is completely the straight man. So they're not like a, they're not the typical sort of chalk, chalk and sh- they're not that sort of, yeah, he's not the comedy sidekick they're, they're both fairly, they have their own comedy moments. You know, Michael Perry's mm. got a few comedy yeah. moments and stuff. Um, there's the nods to the, um, Top Gun, like, uh, his commanding officer you know that there's that that's the whole kelly mcgillis kind of thing but Mm. in in, very brief and there's a little bit of a love triangle thing that they do to sort of create some tension between the characters which i thought worked quite nicely uh the you know this is another example of a film that was made during a period where you could have a budget for some aerial photography and explosions and stuff there's i doubt that some of it is stock footage i mean they hire companies i think to that actually film all this stuff for them that they can use, but they did have a budget here, and it's clearly on display. And you mm. just imagine—you know—you can't see it being. Done. I mean, Flight of Fury with Steven Seagal, like ten years, ten, you know, ten, uh, the two thousand seven or when that, whenever that was. You know, they didn't have any money for any of that, so you know that was. Literally well, they, they
1: nicked it. They position. nicked it from another film, didn't they? For, well, it's
0: from Iron Eagle, yeah.
1: So, no, there was it there was, there was a, been... another one where
0: could have been this one as well uh, yeah oh, i think the ending is almost entirely footage from iron eagle but the, the film itself was a remake of black thunder but mm. the uh, michael Dudikoff, so there might even be footage from the from from the michael Dudikoff one i'm not sure but this mm. one it felt like it there might be some recycled footage in there as much as anything else of the period but it seemed it all worked. I thought that all the cockpit kind of stuff worked. In you know, this was made I think the same year as Hot Shots, um, mm. and um. it just sort of it it feels very much of the of the time of you know you had that kind of thing going on. All the the buddy stuff was like the in thing. Everything was a buddy movie. There were so many of them. Fifty yeah. 50, Fifty we watched a few yep. weeks ago, for example. Mm. Yeah, that was that was around the same time. You know, the early nineties.
1: Yeah, Hot Shots came out to no. Hang on. Yeah, you're right. It was the same year. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I loved Hot Shots. I mean, I, I never saw this. I, I saw the poster because it's got a great poster, a mm. really good poster. But I don't think I've ever watched the film. But I did. Love, but I loved Hot Shots, and that, so I quite like the. Um, or oh, I, don't, I like that those sort of aerial aspect. You know, the as the sim, sort of similar aspects between that and yeah. and Top because I'm not a big Top Gun fan either. You know, it's just not <laughs> this kind of this kind of movie's not my cup of tea generally, but. yeah what
1: about -hmm. about, where do you stand on iron eagle
0: then see i'm not sure if i've seen iron eagle i saw iron eagle 2 yeah because i think i remember going to like saturday morning pictures to see it um Mm -hmm. and iron eagle 3 i didn't think much of that was the one with something i think i've seen that one Uh, iron eagle 4 i think i might have seen but yeah they never really made much impression on me but i do remember iron eagle 2 quite a lot Mm. um I would like to, I do want to go back because that's the one. It's like a teenager becomes a fighter pilot or yeah. something.
1: See, yeah. that, 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 that became its own genre as well because I'm trying to think. It's
0: like the, the karate game. kid, but with a fighter jet or something. There's
1: another film
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: like it about this guy, you know, there's a Navy SEALer gets captured and his kids come after him to rescue him. And oh, it's remember. the,
2: it's, um, Raskies. No. no. Oh. Oh, look, I
1: love
2: that film, and I can't
1: think mm. what it's called. It's
2: Kevin
0: Dillon in it. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, well, that whole God. kids doing rescue mission kind yeah. of thing—that was kind of the—that was the Goonies and the monsters. Uh, there were tons of them. It wasn't sort of it toy be. soldiers, that sort of thing. Toy
1: soldiers. It might be yeah. called the rescue, actually. I'm sure it's oh, the
0: rescue. the rescue. Yeah, there was one called the rescue. I, I remember seeing that in the video shop. Actually, I'm just
1: scrolling down. I'm going
0: a
2: lot
1: now. Yeah, and, yeah. That, the the rescue, yeah that, it was Kevin That's Dillon what it was. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that,
2: that was a that was a cracking film.
1: That it was pretty decent. That one, yeah. Um, so so back to Into the Sun. Um, obviously we've got a a hotshots or Red Baron character uh, called Dragon, uh, played by Linda mm. Nashby in this one. Well, he that, just so uh, sorry, just to
0: insert. Yeah. But I think his character was essentially nicked from the Michael Didikoff
1: okay. film because
0: because that's what happened in that. There was like a rogue. Pilot, Mm. because again, that was another element that was recycled in the Flight Fury movie.
1: Anyway, Mm. I quite I quite liked his character, and it's you know the fact that yeah, so the the, you know the reason he's got a chip on his shoulders because because he's short sighted, basically. Yeah, wasn't fit for flying as as far as the US Air Force is concerned. Um, But obviously, uh, some tin pot dictator would gladly have his skills. Uh, That's what so, I was thinking so,
0: when he was up there flying. I was thinking, can you fly in glasses? Mm, I was just, mm. I wasn't sure if that was possible. Yeah, you know, with, with wearing the mask and everything,
1: but I've not seen Who knows? Yeah. yeah. I don't think we're starting to read too much into this now. I think <laughs> yeah. But his character kind of comes out of nowhere,
0: doesn't he? Kind of, they are well. they're, they're in the prison and he's like, suddenly starts taunting him
1: and yeah, but he—he—I he, mean, we'd seen he, him in the cockpits sort of a few times before, you know. Right. So sort of, yeah. he'd, he'd done the, um, you know, that fly pass to the beginning and stuff like that. So, so we. But you know, it's it's unusual that they actually sort of unmasked him and sort of made okay. him character. Usually, it's just like okay. a guy behind a mask kind of thing, you know, like in Top Gun, for example. Uh, yeah. But there you go. Yeah. So I I, I must admit it, it's not bad. I think for for the time. Um so th- th- we've covered this director before, Fritz Kirsch, um when we did The Stranger. Um the other film of note that he's done is um Tough Turf as well, which I it, it's it's a lot darker film than the trailer would make it out to be. <laughs> um that's for sure. It's uh, it's a pretty decent little film. Um with what's his name in it? Um James Spader.
2: James Spader. Yeah. And yeah. uh, Robert Downey Jr.
1: Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a decent film. Yeah. Um, that
0: Speaking one. of Robert Downey Jr., Deborah Moore, who plays the, uh, the love interest, the of the, the, uh, was, is she the major?
2: Oh, yeah. Major.
0: Yeah. Um, she's actually an English actress uh, mm-hmm. and, she, and was in Chaplin with um Robert Downey Jr a it
1: year works. after this yeah that's a, pretty, that's a big step up isn't it
0: <laughs> I don't know how big the role was yeah. she's also been she was in uh, Die Another Day but she was playing air hostess you know so <laughs> her career has kind of yeah gone gone all over the place really but uh, yeah I think she was really good in this I've, I'd, I'd like to, mm. to see her in other things she was in she's yeah so doing things like um oh well, funnily enough she was in a, a film called Goldeneye in 1989, which I think was the one about Ian Fleming, but mm. um, I've never seen her in anything before, but uh, yeah, I, I, I liked her in this. Yeah. I'd like a Deborah, um, not, is it Deborah? Um, uh, who's the actress? of Diane Lane, you know, that sort of actress of the, mm-hmm. of the, of the time. Then I, I can't remember. Deborah, uh, name escapes me anyway. She's got mm. that sort of air about her. I thought was, yeah. She played the yeah. character really well.
1: Awesome. Okay. Any any more thoughts on this one? No. Mm-hmm. no uh, just this to is say t- that you
0: can find it on Plex and uh, on uh, Amazon Prime's IMDb TV. Yeah, so it's on the
1: IMDb mm-hmm. channel. So, so there are adverts, but it is free. So go check it out. And that is the end of this week's show. So thanks to Rich and Steve for joining me this evening. No problem. Thanks for having me Um, Don't forget to check out our Facebook and Twitter pages At the DTV Digest Also check out our sister show uh, The Short Shots We'll be recording a new one of those shortly And also check out its Twitter page Where Rich puts a link to a new short Every evening round about 8 o'clock So thank you for listening And tune in next time